0: Paranormal perception is a full-bodied apparition, summoned by... 22 Creations Multimedia, LLC. Taking a look at the unseen world around us A world of shadows Unheard whispers see you. Restless souls. Strange creatures. i watching you. We'll explore these topics and more. <laughs> Not for answers. It is called the unknown for a reason.
1: Come and find me.
0: By the end of this episode, You'll have a new perception on the paranormal.
1: I'm watching
0: Paranormal Perception with Henry San Miguel. And welcome to Paranormal Perception. You know, it's funny, we haven't gone back to normal. Well, normal for paranormal, but only because we've been living through the paranormal. Whatever that new normal... I think we kind of have an idea now what that new normal is going to be. So we've been covering that a lot. But on this episode, you're all going to enjoy it because... Yeah, I know it's not October, it's not Halloween anymore. But really, is it? Does it ever over here on on paranormal perception? No, it's not. We're going to talk about a haunted mansion, not the haunted mansion. we you've, you've all probably experienced that one on e- either one of the coasts, but a haunted mansion, a real one. It's not pretend. It's not a fun kiddie ride. This is for real, and it's pretty scary. There's a new book out right now called "Ghosts of Greystone, Beverly Hills: Dramatic Eyewitness Accounts." by Cleet Keith. I have a link in the show description. If you guys want to go there directly to find out more, and more importantly, to buy the book, it's ghostsofgreystone.com. So I want to talk about it again, like I said, is the author Cleet Keith. Cleet, welcome to the show. How are you?
1: Hey, Henry, how are you? Thanks for
0: having me on. Doing good. Thank, thanks for coming on. So let's start with, first of all, uh, like I said, it's not the Haunted Mansion, not the one people probably thinking about. This is an actual Haunted Mansion. So tell us about... The haunted story, first of all, of, of Greystone Mansion.
1: Yeah, this this uh, location is the real deal. This is uh, a mansion that was built back in the 1920s. They, they started building it in 1927, and uh, by the time they finished it, it was 19, September of 1928. It's uh, 46,000 square feet. Um, 55 rooms, 67 all meaning they're like closets and other places. And it is enormous and it is the real deal. It is active every day. I've worked there for 22 years. I'm going to be actually retiring uh, December 4th really soon. So I only have a couple more weeks there and I'm going to miss it uh, tremendously, but it is the real deal.
0: Uh, when, when you say you've been working there, what, what, what exactly is your, what, what are you doing there?
1: Yeah, I did a a bunch of different things. Um, my office was on that property and out of that office, I helped set up, uh, live events for the city of Beverly Hills, but I also, uh, worked as a ranger at that location. So if there was ever filming or specific events for Greystone, um, I would become a ranger and put on the uniform and help the other rangers, uh, take care of the property and make sure it was uh, everything was fine and wasn't uh, run over with uh, a bunch of crazy people in the film industry, as you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It actually, uh, a lot of you listening, you've probably seen Greystone Mansion. It's been in a lot of pretty well-known movies, very blockbuster movies. That, and we'll probably talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, but before you, before you you were hired there, Clee, did, did you did you know it was haunted, or, or, or did you not know of its haunted history?
1: I had no clue about it. In fact, I I worked on a a film, uh, that, uh, ended up shooting up there. It was called cabin boy. One of the worst films ever made by the way. (laughs) And, uh, I worked on that movie and ended up, uh, they asked me one day, you know, that told me that they're going to be going up to a place called Greystone to shoot one of the scenes there. And I said, what is Greystone? And they said, it's this mansion up there, but we're going to use it as like a school and i said oh okay and little did i know that uh uh like 4 years later i would be actually working for the city and i was based up at greystone but i had no zero idea that it was haunted at all
0: and and where it's i haven't been there but uh looking at the, uh, the uh, description and in, in, in the website and on, on the book it, it's it's up on a hill right the mansion right
1: yeah yeah it, it's up above sunset so there's the Beverly Hills hotel and if you keep going east um, there are several streets, Foothill and Hillcrest, and it's between that and it's up above Sunset to the north. And uh, there is a Doheny Road, which is based, uh, that, that is named after the family who owned the mansion, the Dohenys. And uh, it's put up on the top of the hill so they could see everything that was down below. It's, it's really a beautiful location.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, again, I, you can see why filmmakers want to use it because going up the hill, and when you see it, that's like the perfect shot for for a horror film. There's this big mansion up on top of the hill.
1: Yeah, it, it is, and, and it's uh, it has been used. It, not really too many horror movies. There have been a couple that uh, have been shot there, but it's mostly used as a prominent mansion for like like uh, National Treasure too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Book of Secrets, it was used, and in, in, uh, Spider-Man and all these other films, they used the mansion. And if you saw um, the inside floor, the Grand Hall, which is the checkered black and white marble, you would you would recognize it like in The Big Lebowski, it, it was prominent in that film as well. A lot of movies, tons of movies.
0: Yeah, I, I think one of the Star Trek, the newer Star Trek movie was filmed there too, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, mm mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so, really a, 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 an amazing amount of films from the, the 40s on into <laughs> you know into uh, today I mean there's still because of COVID there's no shooting but they, they've right. gone crazy with it they shoot it all the time
0: it, which makes sense I mean one it's in Beverly Hills and you know it, Hollywood is, is right there but like you said it's, it's uh, math wasn't my best friend but a few years away from being almost 100 years old so it's been there for quite a while
1: yeah, it's from, from 1927, and it yeah. was uh, Edward L. Doheny, named after you know Doheny Drive and Doheny Road out in, in Beverly Hills, was named after this family. And he was one who came to L.A. and found uh, oil in the, in the early 1900s and then went down to Mexico and made his fortune and came back and bought 429 acres of Beverly Hills in that area. And of that 429, which was called the Doheny Ranch at the time, um, a 12.58 parcel of land was given to his son Ned uh, as a wedding gift for him to build his home, and that's that's what Greystone is. It was built.
0: What what a wedding gift! Uh, so is 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 the haunting? Yeah. yeah is, the, is the are the hauntings are they tied into the Doheny family, or is it or is it something else, or do, do we know?
1: Well, that's a good question because um, for all these years, I've tried to figure out exactly, uh, did the hauntings come first or did they promote what took place within the mansion that was uh, horrible or did what took place on February 16th, uh, 1929, did that open a portal within the mansion? Because there is a portal in the mansion. And did that open it up to the other spirits to flood in and affect
0: the living people that were there. We don't know. Yeah, it, it, I can tell you, I can tell a, little, a few stories after we finish the interview, but uh, the old property that I used to live at back in San Francisco, I'm in Southern California now, but the old property that actually mm-hmm. had uh, a portal in it also, I didn't find out till the last days I was there from from a couple of psychics and mediums that went there. And I can tell you, having lived in a house that, that had a portal, it is very, very, very active. So yeah, I can imagine a huge a man a house the size of Greystone. How much activity it would have had. So but yeah, but it, but it's interesting. Like you're saying that you're not sure exactly. Like you said, what came first? Kind of like the chicken or the egg, which came first? You, you don't know if, if the activity was there already before it was even built, or because there was. Um, I was reading on the side also, and I'm sure it's in the book. There was a, a murder suicide, correct, in the mansion.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um basically it, this is all tied into the teapot dome scandal and that was back in the in the you know, twenties, into the thirties. But um because E. L. Doheny was involved in oil, um, he ended up I, I don't wanna make this too long but to, to to tie in the teapot dome, I think it's important because it's really what led up to the murders, the suicide murder. And that was Teapot Dome, Wyoming is an oil reserve. And uh, there was Teapot Dome, Wyoming, Elk Hills and Buena Vista uh, Naval Reserve. And Albert Fall, who was the Secretary of the Interior in the Harding administration, he was friends with uh, Edward L. Doheny and Harry Sinclair. And maybe you've seen some Sinclair oil gas yeah. stations that are out there. He ended up joining ARCO. He became ARCO gas stations. and. Um Albert Fall, who was a friend of Yale Doheny's, allowed him to have the rights to the Elk Hills Oil Reserve and the Buena Vista Oil Reserves. And he gave rights to Harry Sinclair to Teapot Dome. Well, you have to have a bidding process. They never did that. Basically, he just gave his friends rights to this area to do what they wanted to do. And it was found out because... Edward L. Doheny sent his son, Ned, and Ned's secretary Hugh to New York to deliver $100,000 to Albert Fall. Now, this is back in the 20s when a penny meant something. That's a lot of money. It's like a million dollars. So Ned got out the money, put it in a satchel. They gave it to Albert Fall. He received it and uh, ended up, I guess, having a lavish lifestyle suddenly. And it was... uh, on somebody's radar and they picked it out, figured it out. And, uh, they wanted to, uh, have a trial with Albert, which they did. He was found guilty and he went to prison for a year. And so they were going to go after E.L. Doheny who gave him the money. Uh, but, uh, they thought they'd go through his son and secretary who delivered the money. And that caused a lot of stress for Ned and Hugh and the, family felt that Hugh maybe wouldn't be able to withstand the the pressure of a trial. And so they, I have heard and I have read that they uh, tried to talk him out of going into the trial saying they'll they'll put him in a sanatorium uh, for uh, cocaine. And back then they used cocaine for your teeth to numb the teeth if you have uh, uh, dental problems. So, they were saying, we'll put you in the sanatorium and you'll stay there and the, the whole uh, trial will blow over and you won't be involved. And I think Ned felt that they may put him in there and he would never get out because he knows too much. So with that being said, uh, the night of February 16, 1929, Hugh went to confront uh, Ned about this whole situation. That's what they say happened. I, I tend to to agree that that probably was the case. And Hugh went inside the house. Uh, the forensic uh, f- a friend of mine, Clark Fogg, who was, has his book out uh, about the murders of, in Beverly Hills, uh, he told me he feels that uh, Hugh went inside the house because he had keys. He worked there. He's his secretary. Went inside the house, went up to the gun room, and took a revolver went down and confronted Ned about this whole situation and he was ready to crack. Uh, they'd been drinking there. They had an argument and it was either Hugh was waving the gun in front of Ned and shot him in the head, or he aimed the gun at Ned and shot him in the head and then took the revolver to his own head and shot himself. It's, There have also been rumors that Ned shot Hugh and then killed himself because he shot his best friend. We'll never know because it's, remember, it's a billion, a billionaire family. And so back then in those days, and, and uh, everything was swept under the rug immediately after the murder suicide. uh, It was uh, basically swept under the rug and, and within 24 hours, nothing else was talked about. Nothing in the papers, everything was taken out because they were, they had that kind of influence. And, um, and a side note to this, Henry is that once Ned, Edward Hall's Doheny's son was killed, um, they had a trial with E.L. Doheny. The, uh, jury, um, did not convict him of the, uh, uh handing, uh, Albert Fall the money. And so E.L. Doheny was off the hook. So the man who gave the money, to albert fall is is acquitted and albert fall who took the money from that man is in prison for a year and that's where the term the fall guy came from mm.
0: the, and, and all of this and, and as, as far as i know no one has ever thought to make a movie out of the the story of the mansion itself i mean there is and is there as, as, as long as as far as i know
1: yeah well yeah, there there hasn't been. Um, I, I think a lot of it has to do with maybe the family itself. I mean, uh, there was a time when I was going to try to get a company in there. This is probably five, six years ago. You, you've seen the, the, the show Dead Files? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I love that show, and, and I contacted them. They eventually got back to I me. Mean, I did not want to tell them where this was. I, I wrote them and said, look, there's a mansion in Beverly Hills, It has a a paranormal history and I think there's a chance I can get you in there to do a show and we'd like to find out if it's truly haunted and in what way and why. And they got back to me and said... uh, the woman called me and said, um, I said, I'm not going to talk about what the places. She goes, is it Greystone? I said, yes. <laughs> so they, that was their first thing right off the bat. It was, yeah, it was Greystone. So she, they eventually came back and said, yes, we're interested. I went to the head of my division in the city. He said, no, we're not doing anything like that. Um, the family, the immediate there was one person left. It was Patrick Doheny, the son, was still alive. And he said, well, he's alive. We're not going to approach it. Uh, Patrick has since died and uh, they still won't approach it uh, as far as doing something like that. So um, it's uh, it, it's a very, it's weird because it's a city property, a city park, but it's a very private location as well. And Henry also, when we talk about portals, um, when I first started working, there, I used to take photos in this one corner in the second floor because I was getting all these orbs and these weird, bizarre things. And, um, we eventually had uh, Peter James. I don't know if you know who he is. But, yeah, I do. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. He was a, have you heard of him?
0: Yeah, I have.
1: Yeah, very famous psychic. So he showed up one day with with, with a friend of his, and they wanted to go inside. So uh, we made sure they didn't have any cameras, and we said, we'll walk you inside. And so one of the rangers took him inside, and he walked in and looked up to that corner and said, do you know you have a portal here? And now, like 12 or 15 years later, I ended up bringing in Chris Fleming. Do you know who he is? No, no. Yeah, he's he's a very well-known psychic out of Chicago who's done a lot of television shows. He's on Ghost Adventures every once in a while, and he and I struck up a conversation. He came out from Chicago. I walked him inside, and he looked up to the con- corner and said, do you know you have a portal in here? Mm. So it's real. It's there.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've always said when 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 two or more than one psychic or medium confirms the same thing without having prior knowledge you know it's real so yeah th-
1: yep. there you go yeah absolutely yep mm-hmm. yeah.
0: And, and, and again like you're saying you know Hollywood unfortunately does have a lot of history yeah we know the glitz the glamour but there's also a seedy underside to Hollywood and and a lot of psychics have also said that's why to this day even there's a lot of energy not not I wouldn't say dark energy but there's definitely a lot of paranormal energy Around Hollywood, and you know stories like this, like like Greystone, that that's part of the reason why. Now, uh, uh, you yeah. mentioned that yeah. the that Patrick already passed away. So, is there are there no more living Doheny's? Was he the last one, and or if if so, who who owns the mansion now?
1: Yeah, it's there are no more immediate family members. We're talking like Ed, uh, Ned and his wife Lucy, and then their family. Their the daughter Lucy. Uh, they had four sons. All all have have since passed. Um, the city of once, once, uh, um, in 1955, Lucy, uh, Ned's wife, Lucy, she ended up, uh, selling the mansion. It was too big. All the kids were gone. She sold the mansion to a man named Henry crown, who was, um, one of the builders of the empire state building. And, um, he was out of Chicago and he bought it thinking maybe he would move in possibly. Uh, and his wife's. They say said no, didn't want to move in. He had a, all his dealings were in Chicago, so he stayed in Chicago, and, and eventually just opened it up to filming and allowed people to film there. And he did that from fifty five to sixty five, nineteen sixty five, and then uh, the city of Beverly Hills purchased it, and they rented out the mansion to the to AFI, the American Film Institute, from nineteen sixty nine to nineteen eighty two, and it is now a, a, a park city park of Beverly Hills.
0: Has, has the city done any renovations or repair or anything or have they left it pretty much the way it was from the beginning?
1: Well, when they first purchased it, it was in shambles. It was ruined. Uh, AFI had been in there, all this stuff that was, that. It, it, now it's an historic landmark, mm-hmm. but back then it was just an old mansion that they could use for their editing bays and all that stuff. So they just, they tore everything up. They built walls. They for things out and made it a, uh, a screening room in the living room and really just did what they wanted to do because nobody, nobody knew it was going to be a historic site. And so that was uh, really bad for the mansion itself. By the time I started working there uh, in like 98, um, it was still in disrepair down in the basement for sure and the servant's wing, uh, the, the living area. Um, of the family, we call it the family area, which consists of, um, you know, living room, card room, uh, library, and dining room, and then upstairs were some of the bedrooms and things. Um, they were basically empty. There's nothing in the house. And still, to this day, there's really there's only like one or two pieces of furniture, like an old uh, table that was theirs, um, but it was in shambles, and... Uh, as of late, and this is what's what, you know, as I know you're well aware of this, that when you do renovations, it really stirs up the activity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happened recently. But there's always been activity. Henry, I'll put my recorder in there at night, leave it, and come back the next day. And it's like fishing. You know, you just put your hook in there, just wait and see, <laughs> put it on the computer and listen to it. And I've never, ever in 22 years had an evening where you don't hear anything. Its doors close and gets slammed. It bangs against the wall. It's sometimes voices off in the background. Uh, shot a, a gunshot. Um, it, it's incredible. And, and, and understand that this house it is—it's uh, forty-six thousand square feet. So this house was built by um, a man uh, that um, ended up uh, building the uh, Hoover Dam and uh, Frank Kaufman is his name, and so he was a cement guy. This house is poured cement. Hmm. It's rebar and poured cement. Outside facing the house is limestone, and we know limestone is a conductor of energy. Stephen King wrote The Shining at the Stanley Hotel, which is built on limestone. So for me, I, I believe that the limestone on the outside of this home, the walls are three feet thick and, and a lot of it is limestone that it houses, it retains all the, the, the paranormal energy that an activity within the home. And so recently, uh, last year, I think it was a year, a year and a half ago, they, they did, they have a, a theater there and down below the theater is the bowling alley. I don't know if you ever saw There'll be blood.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Did mm-hmm. you ever
1: see that? Yeah. Okay, the bowling alley scene at the end, where that's, he where he kills the guy at the end. That's Graystone. Yeah, yeah, and, and um, up above that is a theater, and the theater was in such disrepair; the ceiling was a uh, dry rot with water, all that stuff. Well, the city recently did a renovation of the theater, and an incredible renovation. But spirits don't like. People coming into their place and changing things. And so uh, I was waiting for the paranormal activity to kick up. And it wasn't long before some of the construction workers, and remember, they have no clue that this place is haunted. They are given a job at this location to go in and pull the wiring and get it ready, take down the walls uh, and and get it ready for all the, uh, the, the projection booths to redo it and put in all new uh, projection equipment, everything. So it had to be stripped down, and it wasn't long before the head electrician uh, came to me and said, I had something really weird happening. I said, oh, really? Now, at this time, I was writing the book because the book is basically, it's all eyewitness accounts. So everything that every person that I interviewed had something happen to them, a real incident happened to them. And it turned out to be 83 people that I interviewed over a series of three years and over 230 stories. So it's all the real stories. And when this guy, Christian, came to me and said, hey, can I talk to you? He started telling me about these red like balls of light that were floating around him. And I said, oh, can I, uh, can I chat with you about that and turn on my recording? He goes, okay. So I turned it on. And in that conversation, he was talking about these balls that came, these red balls that came around of light that kind of swirled around him and took off. And he thought, well, maybe it was a, a, a laser that one of his buddies had. I said, but wouldn't a laser be like a strong, like a, a beam of light, not a not a, a circular ball of red light floating around you? And he goes, yeah. He goes, but it was kind of like uh, there was a refraction in my eye. That's why I saw that. Mm-hmm. I said, have you ever had a refraction refract- in your eye? He goes, no. He goes, but honestly, it's like when you you know you hit your head, you feel this. I said, did you hit your head? And they and they always try to justify because they can't believe what they've seen. Yeah. So that being said, he ended up, I went to him and said, look, after the interview, I said, look, you guys are going to be here for several months. Would you please let me know? If anything else happens, he goes, yeah, yeah, I will. And it was like constantly, he'd come up to me, hey, you want to talk to Robert? I go, who's Robert? That guy over there. Okay, okay, I'll talk to Robert. And it was all these things that were taking place inside the theater. Crazy, crazy stuff.
0: Yeah, again, with a lot of lot of the energy that that's in there, yeah, not not surprising. So uh, going back to when, when you first started, or even that's going back before you actually started at, at, the, uh, at Greystone, did did, were you a believer? Did you believe in the paranormal, or where, where, where did you lie on that?
1: Yeah, I, I never really did. I, I had several things happen to me when I was, one was when I was a teenager, and my parents uh, had to go up to Cambria Pines up north, California. Uh, my my great aunt had a house up there right on the ocean, a beautiful little cottage on the ocean, and her husband, Wes, um, was my uh, great, my great uncle and um, he had cancer and he got up one night without telling his wife Margie and went out, took a rifle and sat on the uh, porch, looking out at the ocean and shot himself in the head. Mm. And uh, after he passed, then Margie had a stroke and she was put into an institution, a place to take care of her. So my parents had to go up there and clean this cottage and get it ready to sell so they could use that money to take care of Margie. And when my dad and mom were in the, in the garage cleaning, there was three knocks at the front door. My dad looked at my mom, like, who's that? He went to the front door and there was nobody there. Then he went back in and he goes, there's nobody there. And she goes, Oh, cause I think the kids are messing around the neighborhood. That's, that's what he thought. So the, the knocked again, three knocks, he went out. There's nobody there. He came back in and said, there's nobody there. Let's get, let's get back out of here. <laughs> so that was the first time i ever heard of paranormal things happening. And then I ended up having kind of a major strange evening with a woman that was in a, I worked in a, did a lot of theater and a lot of plays and this woman invited me over to her house in Beverly Hills, oddly enough. And when I got to her apartment, um, we sat down and she started telling me that her place was haunted and I was like in my head, I'm going, come on, man. You know, I said, oh, but she was, she was beautiful and I wanted to be there. So I just said, <laughs> Oh really? Okay. And then she started telling me I have gone to sleep and I've woken up and there's a woman in white standing at the end of my bed. I said, you gotta be kidding me. Seriously. And she said, yeah. And I said, did you freak out? And she goes, no, she was very calming. I went, oh, wow. Okay. And she said also, um, now, she, we were sitting at a, uh, a table, like a coffee table, and there was there were candles. The candles had this uh, glass housing in the middle and all these other candles. And uh, she had a piano, and she started telling me that she uh, had a, a friend over one time, and the piano started playing by itself. I went, come on, man. <laughs> and she goes, no, I'm serious. I said, were there, what, were there like mice in there with, you know, top hats and high kicks and she goes no. She just looked at me. She's very, you know, matter of fact. No, no, they, they, this actually played by itself. And then she showed me a book called Seth Speaks. Have you ever heard of that book?
0: What, what is it? What's it called?
1: Seth S E T H. Seth Speaks. No. And it's it's it, 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 it's a it's about a woman a channel a woman who is a channeler, and she would bring in the, this one. Uh. Uh. uh I guess being or whatever named Seth and it would come through her and she would speak Seth's truths and all this stuff. So she said, have you ever seen this book? She showed me the book and it was like, it showed a picture of this woman, woman on the front channeling. And she looked really bizarre is all I could say. So I looked at her and I went, I, I was an idiot. Cause I, I didn't believe in any of this stuff. So I said, what the hell happened to her? And she goes, she's channeling. I said, it looks like she ate some bad shrimp. I was just <laughs> just joking with her, right? Yeah. And she just looked at me and said, you shouldn't make fun of these spirits. I said, I'm not, but I mean, look at her. Have, have you ever seen anything like that? And suddenly the glass housing on the candle blew up. Didn't wow. crack it, blew up on that coffee table. And I stared at it. She looked at it, then she looked over at me. And I, I grabbed my guitar and I ran, ran out of her apartment. And so that was kind of the, the two big things to me. Like, But I still had a hard time believing it. And I didn't believe it until I started working at Greystone.
0: In in a, a Greystone, if you can remember, what what was the first experience that, that you experienced? Not that you were told about, but what, some, what was the first thing that you expe- paranormal thing that you experienced at Greystone?
1: Okay, well, well yeah, one of the things that 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 it didn't specifically affect me, but when I I was told when I first started working there that they were shooting a Sprite commercial, and I said, oh, okay, I want to go up and see what they're shooting and see how they're shooting it. So I went up there. This is like a '98, and it was. Uh, There was one ranger, Steve Clark, who was up there, and it was bad. They treated the mansion horribly. So right now, if you were to film up there, we have rangers that cover every square inch of that building, making sure you put down layout board. You don't screw anything in the walls. You don't paint anything. You're not supposed to. All that stuff is taken care of. Well, back then, everybody did what they wanted to do because the rangers didn't know what to do. It was Steve Clark's first month there, and he had no clue. So... They were tearing the place up, and he was trying to stop them. They didn't listen to him. And by the time I walked up to the mansion from my uh, my office down at the front, uh, the south end of the of the property, when I got up there, this guy came running out of the mansion, swearing, I won't say it, but swearing, and just was horrified. And they said, like, what happened? What happened? And what had happened to him was he was in the upstairs room, I think it was Patrick's room, the son's room upstairs, wrapping up cable, throwing it into these crates, you know, they have the plastic crates, yeah. look like milk crates,
0: mm-hmm.
1: throwing all the cable in there. And as he was putting all the stuff away, uh, he looked over and one of the crates went all the way across the room by itself, right in front of him. And he snapped and just ran out and said, I'm done. I said a bunch of stuff and, and he left. And so that was, I was like, wow, what, what happened? And they told me, I go, oh, I'm like, is, is this, is this place haunted? And, uh, so with that, uh, my friend, Steve, who was one of the lead Rangers there, um, he ended up telling me a story of his closing the mansion up, putting on the alarm, walking out and saw a window that was open in the servant's wing. And he's like, man, I thought to closed that. Went in un- uh, undid the alarm, went to that room locked it's a two lock process. You you crank it closed, and you put the uh armed like latch on it. And uh then he went down, put on the alarm, walked out, looked up and it was open again. And he said to me, When I saw that, I went, Something's up with this place And he wouldn't go back in. And that really clued me into like, okay, so I'm gonna be working at this place that's that's haunted, I guess. I guess it's real. So that that was the, the first couple of things I heard about. The one thing that happened to me was years later down in the basement and my sister and her husband had come over from Hawaii and they were taking a tour with Steve. Just, he was just walking them through the house. And I went down in the basement to see them and said, Hey, what's going on? There you are. How you doing? And and as we stood there down in the boiler room, and this, this is like a horror movie down there, Henry. In the boiler, boiler room, it is so... <laughs> It's like you couldn't dress it better on a set. It was horrifying. And we're standing down there and he's telling him about the boiler and suddenly there are like three loud knocks right behind me and it's a cement wall. And I I look back and then I looked at Steve and I was like, What the hell is that? And then I ran over and I grabbed my sister and I held her out as bait. You know, I was I was like I, I can't. Okay, I panicked. And, and, and um, uh, I said to Steve, is that, is this, I was asking him if it was another Ranger, Dan. Was he doing that just because my sister and husband were here? And he goes, No. I said, Get Dan on the radio. So we got Dan on the radio, and Dan was at another park. And, I, and Steve said, You've always wanted something to happen to you. It just happened. Now you're acting like you don't want it to happen to you. What's going on here? I go, This is, I could not believe that took place. There's no way that could happen. Without it being, uh, a, a some type of uh, being down there, and little did I know that you know throughout the years that that place is a nightmare down there. It's I, I think I have like seventeen stories that are crazy, crazy down in that in that uh, basement.
0: Well, Horrible you, place. You know, actually, with that knock, I don't know if you ever thought of this or if you looked into it. The, the store I'm thinking mm-hmm. is probably was it your uncle that you said knock three times that first time with your parents?
1: Oh. <laughs> wow, maybe he followed me to Greystone. Yeah, I was going to say. I not think about that, Henry. That's interesting. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, wow. I tie it in only because uh, you said it was three been. knocks. So you know, maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a, it could be. It, you know what? Anything is possible at this place. And they also say, you know, in all the shows that when you hear three knocks or three bangs, it's the sign of the Trinity. You know, the Father, yeah, Son, mm-hmm. the mocking of the Trinity. So I, I, I don't know. It scared the hell out of me, to be honest, and. uh Uh, We got out of there pretty quickly and uh, it it shook me up because nothing had ever happened to me until then. And honestly, nothing has ever happened to me since that time where uh, uh, I felt or saw something like that uh, in in the house. I've heard things with my recordings and all that stuff. And, And my friends, my very close friends are all the Rangers there and they're the ones who have access to that building. So, they're the ones who are inside it all the time to check it, make sure it's, it's locked or if they're doing renovations, all that stuff, they go in and open it up and everything. They're the ones that have things that happen to them all the time. But for me, it was just that one time.
0: Yeah. I I can tell you, it's probably not, I know because of, you know, like ghost adventures and, and Zach, Zach's a friend, Zach Bagans, he's a friend. He's been on the show a couple of times. And he knows when I say this in, in, off camera, he will say, yeah, you're right. Not everything is demonic although he says it is right, on, on his show. Right. But a lot of times, it, it, like I said, mm-hmm. it could be somebody that you know, a friend, an uncle in your case, or somebody uh-huh. just trying to get our attention. So it, uh-huh. it, and it, a lot of people are, are it, there's more acceptance now. A lot of people aren't, you know, they don't run for the hills like before, and, and they're actually not afraid right, to, right, to right. say it either. So, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. They, 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 and,
1: and, and it's crazy because uh, when I had Chris Fleming come out, and he's really good, man. If you look him up, you'll know who he is. mm mm-hmm. um, He's, he's a psychic medium, and he's had his own show in England and all this stuff. And when he came out that day, that changed my perception on that mansion that day. And he was, we went inside, he and uh, uh, another woman who was psychic, and then two other guys. One was a director, I think, and one was a producer whatever. And I said, no cameras, and we can walk in. And we went inside, and because he is, has abilities, when that happens, that brings them out the spirits in there see someone that they can connect with. They will come out. This was 11 o'clock in the day. And the very first thing happened, we were standing outside and he said, who's the woman up in the window? Mm. And I went, what's that? Who's up in the window? And I looked up, and I go, I-, I don't see anybody. He goes, can we go inside please? I went, okay. Walk him inside. And, um, first thing happened, we start up the staircase on the right and he bends over and he's like, Oh, I, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know if he was hurt or what was going on. I said, you okay? And he goes, we got somebody here with us. I said, okay. Again, I'm not believing, you know, if I don't see it, I, don't, I won't believe it. I, I got to have something. And that's why I think that the, uh, having written what I did, it's it's really comes from a place of like, in essence, like prove it to me. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to believe everything everybody says. And so it, it's, it's up to them to prove to me that this is actually what took place. And when he started telling me we have somebody here, he took out his recorder and said, I I know that you're here. I can feel you here. What is your name? And we played it back. There was a voice. We couldn't figure out what he was saying, but there was a garbled voice on that. And that was just the beginning of that day. It was crazy. And the reason I bring this up is when we talk about demons, we went up to the attic and the attic has had a, a, a wild history as well. It's just, kind of a creepy place because there are doors that open into catwalks that go throughout the ceiling of this whole building. So, so back then in the day, the workers could work on uh, the electricity and stuff like that and not be seen. They'd be up in the, in the, in the the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And he went in there and we walked into the catwalks and he said, do you feel that to this other woman? She goes, I do, I do. He goes, we have somebody here with us. I said, okay. And he goes, wait, 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 it's gone. It went out. What's that over there? And he points up, further into the attic into this door I said it's just another door to more uh, catwalks he goes can we go in there and I said okay walk over there he opens the door takes one step in stops and looks at me and says you have a demon here and I hardly ever say that but you've got a demon in here mm-hmm. and I was like okay I, I because he said that didn't mean there was a demon in there to me and uh, and I said, OK. And so I followed him in and he started questioning what was in there. What are you? You're not human, are you? And he goes in and said, um, you know what? I know who you are. Uh, you're the, the spirit that's been scaring all the good spirits. In here, but guess what? You don't scare me. How do you feel about that? And he kept questioning it. And then at the end. He turn, he plays it back and it says basically a hole. I, I won't say it but Mm. it screams out a-hole. And I'm like, I looked at him and he looked at me and I went, we're done, let's go, we're out of here. I can't do this, man, I I, I don't want an attachment. I I have to work here every day, you don't, let's go. (laughs) And as we start to leave, the woman pulls out her recorder and says, well, you must take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I go, no, 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 don't do that, we don't want to do that. (laughs) And she stops it and plays it back and it screams out the F word, Mm. screams. And I went, that's it guys, I'm done. I took all of them and I pushed them out the door and said, we're through, we're done. And that changed my perception of the house because I knew it was active, but I didn't know if there was a a a, a benevolent spirit within that home. And this was during the day and Chris brought that out because he has abilities, it brings the spirits there and out. And, uh, it was, it really shook me up. It was, it was pretty crazy. And it's only, you know, I've had tons of things happen since that time as well. It, it wasn't related to for Chris doing that, but just other incidences in the house at night, just listening and hearing and putting the recorder. It's been pretty crazy.
0: It it, it can be. It, it's very terrifying is the word I'll use because, uh, just a couple of mm-hmm. months ago we were shooting a, a paranormal TV show and uh, not not part of the show we were just investigating a, a lower area of the of the of the location where we were, and we actually caught now I don't know if it was demonic or not, but it definitely we heard the the really deep voice on the recorder say, Demon. and I was like, you e- okay, we're done oh, we're, we're okay. out of here, we're leaving that's it <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean it is so it's 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 so hard to believe, but it's actually happening it, it is real these things are real, and even in like one of the rangers, I took him up to the attic because we're going to do a. Um, I was going to interview him about his feelings inside the attic. Cause he said he felt like somebody was watching him. And so I said, okay, hang on, hang on, let's just go up the attic and I'll turn on the recorder and let's just talk about it for the book. And we went up there. And as he's telling me how he went about using this hand crank to lower the chandelier down below, and he felt like somebody was looking at him from that from that same place that Chris said there was a demon. Um, after that interview, I said, "Okay, great." I, I put that recording away, and then, like you know, a month later, I'm going into the transcriptions for the book, and I'm listening to him. This Ranger Chan is his name. Listening to him talk about it, and suddenly there's a voice, a whisper. And I whoa, whoa, whoa! I stop it and go, "Hang on a minute." I go back. Well, who was that? It was just the two of us in there. I play it again played it again and I realized what the the voice is saying is go ahead get out
0: mm.
1: now we didn't hear that yeah but he was he was telling us to get out we had no clue we didn't stay in there that long so i'm glad we got out because the asses leave but it's stuff like when you hear other things I've had I have other situations just like that where voices came through and I never heard them and they're on the recording which is not unusual but it's just still stunning when you hear it
0: yeah, so I uh, will put a link up on the show description to the book for all of you guys. Obviously, you want to hear all the stories, but let me wrap up with these two for you, Cleed. Well, the first one is, why why did you wait all this time to, to write this book?
1: Well, I, I didn't plan on on writing the book. It's a good question because I I being there 22 years, um, I was literally thinking about my retirement. I want to I I've written films and other things. I have another book I'm going to write. And I was just like, I'm going to get out. And then when COVID hit, um, it it really ramped it up because they were going to hand out these handshakes to people who worked for the city. To, if you wanted to leave, you get two years extra and all this stuff. And, and I started contemplating that knowing that down the line I was going to leave. But, but three years ago, I literally, before I went to bed, a prayer and just said please show me what i'm supposed to do what what am i supposed to do for when i retire i don't know how i'm going to take care of myself what i'm going to do and i woke up Henry, i woke up at three in the morning bang I'm, I'm awake and i'm like write a book write a book about the tours that i've given which are basically tell on the tours i would tell everybody these paranormal stories and then it became a thing of like wait a minute wait a minute I'll talk to Steve because he had, and then that just kept going and going and going to the point where uh, I ended up with 86 people, but I had not thought of writing the book. It just, it was accumulation of stories throughout the 20 years. And then when it came to the time, like God, I'm going to leave here. I want, I want my friends. It was just about, I want my friends to know all these stories that I've, I've accumulated over all these years. And then after having that prayer, (laughs) it, it became a, uh, it
0: became a book, and that's how it came about. And I have a—I know you're going to get—it's going to be even bigger because you know a lot of people may not believe, and you know, and that's okay if you don't. But I know for a fact prayer does work if we do listen. You know, we have so many distractions—you know, TV, movies, digital, just the world in general, especially after 2020. But you get your answer to yeah. sometimes when you when you do pray. So yeah, I'm I'm glad you got you listened, and because of that, I have a feeling yeah, yeah this is going to be even bigger than just the book. Um, and speaking, it already is, Henry. It yeah. already is. Thanks. Yeah, I can imagine. And, and speaking of the book, um, the, the last one is, especially people who haven't, because sh- it, it's not open for tours, right? Greystone for the public.
1: No, no, they're, they're not. No, they, they had tours for a while. Like a, there's a, a, couple, a group called friends of Greystone mm-hmm. and they would open the mansion for tours and allow people to walk through uh, with dosage in the room, but you could walk through the house. Um, they would cut off some of the parts of the house, like the upstairs and all that stuff, but you could walk through the downstairs. And uh, that was the only time. I would just suddenly see a family standing outside looking at, you know, through the window, and I'd just say, hey, how you feeling? they go, good. And I'd talk to them and find out what a nice, sweet family. i go, you know what, guys, come on in. I'm going to give you a tour. And I would do it that way.
0: Okay. Well, no, I'm saying that because... People who read the book and they start hearing, they start reading all all of these experiences from different people, especially from film crews who have filmed big blockbuster movies, to to you who wrote it. What do you hope they take away after hearing reading these stories?
1: Well, I think the the main thing is that that it it is real. That you may be curious about spirits and ghosts, um, or you may think, I wonder if this is real or not. That's why I wanted to write this because it's all eyewitness accounts. It's not me making anything up and it's through their own words. Everything is their words. And I think when, if if you're on the fence about whether it's real or not, if you look, listen to the book or read the book, and we're going to have an audio book out down the line. um, You'll hear these people through their words, tell their truth and, and, I I literally had a 700 and some page book and the editor came to us and said, you have too many stories. I can't, you can't put out a 700 page book. So I took out 50 stories. The book is 520 pages. And I think when you finish reading it, you'll know not only that these stories are real, but it will reconfirm or confirm that there is life after life.
0: Now, I don't want to tell you how to do it, but you said there's an audio version coming. Mm-hmm. You could include maybe some yeah. of the uh, some of the audio that that you've recorded over the years. Just an idea.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, it's it's an idea. Um, it's it's already in the process of being made, and it's pretty close to being done. Some of those, what I'm planning on doing, Henry, down the line when the COVID uh, releases, is I'm going to be doing some live events. So okay. I'll be going to venues, and I'll have. Uh, some video i will have the sounds i will talk to people about what i've been through what what everybody and some i'm going to pull up some of my friends on stage and let them tell their stories and it's, it's going to be a lot of fun it'll be a cool night and uh i plan on doing that for quite a few places we already have some people asking about it so it might be a lot of fun
0: Oh, I, I think it will. And, in fact, hang on a second after we finish the interview. I, I'm going to tell you about a live event that you might want to be a part of next year. You get to hear about it first for the audience, though, so uh, hang on for that. I'll tell okay, you that in just great. a little bit. But, again, it's Keith. He's the author, Ghost of Greystone, Beverly Hills, available on, on Graystone.com, on Amazon, of course, or your local bookstore. Check, and if it's not there, just ask nicely, and I'm sure they'll order it for you. But everything, again, linked on the show description, Ghost ghost of graystone.com if you guys want to go there directly find out more and of course more importantly order the book for yourselves Cleet, thanks a lot for coming on i'm sure it's not the last time i speak to you but i will say here in front of everybody if i do get to speak to you before that happy and retirement and hope you enjoy it and, and, and relax if you can and hope to talk to you yeah. soon again
1: Thank you so much, Henry. It's great
0: being here. Thanks. Get more information on the guests and listen to past episodes at paranormalperception.show. Follow the show on Instagram, Paranormal Perception 2, and on Twitter, Paraperception 1. To be a guest on the show, send an email to henry at paranormalperception.show. Paranormal Perception was conjured by the Audio Wizards at 22 Creations Multimedia, LLC. Paranormal Perception